0: Hello, welcome to the Comparative Agility Podcast. My name is Simon Hilton, and in this series we'll be talking with world leaders in agility to help understand how we can make continuous improvement a part of your company's DNA. In this episode, we talk with Maria Mattarelli and Nick Cementer about their agile marketing framework and how it can provide early and frequent value to your customers. Hello, Maria and Nick, how are you?
1: I am exceptional.
0: That's good. That's good. Um, Welcome to the Comparative Agility Podcast. And today we're focusing on Agile Marketing. Um, Really, really interesting topic because for a lot of people who've been in Agile um, they've come from a software development background or something like that. But what's really, really important about the comparative agility platform is it's actually creating that environment within the organisations to really navigate change at pace. And one of the places that you often need to react really, really quickly in the market is is marketing. Um, so can you tell me a little bit how you came to firstly agile and then maybe agile marketing?
2: Yeah, so my background has been uh, helping companies, applying project management, and then specifically Agile and Scrum over the last decade, and I met Nick Cementa in Chicago, and I was like, hey, Nick, can you help me with business development? I was like, you should probably come to our training classes and learn about Agile, learn about the Scrum framework, because that's often what we are doing is training companies on how to do that, and Nick's background is very strong in marketing and advertising, And as he went through the class, he asked me, I remember, he was like, Maria, could you apply this to marketing? I was like, of course you could. Agile would apply to anything. But what Nick has been able to do is actually, uh, he started working with our clients and experimenting. And within six months, we had over 300% increased revenue. Within a year, over 780% increased revenue. And I remember I was just like, Nick, what did you do? And he's like, I just did the (laughs) Agile stuff you taught me. I'm like, yeah, like we know Agile works. Of course, it would apply to marketing. but..." what were the things that you actually did and that led to us launching a case study program and we had companies going through that program getting incredible results i was like okay like let's pull out some of those things like what are the things that are repeatable and nick and i put together this curriculum for the agile marketing academy and we made it more formal created the certified agile marketing specialist course and it's really based on empirical data and evidence of what we've seen that works and I'll let Nick jump in here and add to this, but that's really kind of where it began was looking at how would agile apply to marketing and what are the, the results you could get with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I had um I had a pretty big aha moment, um, and it was I was sitting in a uh, CSM class, so a certified scrum master class, and they were talking about user stories, and um you know it was as a I need so that, and I was just like, wait, how how long have you guys been writing this? And, and Maria was like, well, we've, we've always done this. This is like a use cases and use, you know, user stories are, are super important to almost every major corporation. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But I've been doing the marketing for these companies for a very long time. At no point in time did they hand me a nice, neat little like piece of paper that said, yeah. we made this for this person so that these problems in their life will go away and these are the features. And I was like, do you know how helpful this would be? <laughs> Why do you not give this to us? And like, it was more for me. I was almost like shocked. I'm like, so wait a second. You guys literally did like 90% of the heavy thinking workload before you built the thing. Like we get a thing handed and we're sitting there trying to jam out like, how would we sell this to everyone? And it's like, but it wasn't made for everyone. Right. And that's when I had a really big moment, which was this stuff is all made for a person. Right. There's a, there's an ideal user for every user story. And that means there's an ideal customer for every product. It's not everyone which meant we had Absolutely. to start doing everything kind of from the middle out, right? It was, it was this understanding that we were changing the way we looked at it from, let's take a product that, that Dev made and figure out how we can get everyone to buy it, but let's meet in the middle and figure out who Dev made it for. Like what is it that, that's, that's valuable? What problems is it solving? And then let's just go contact those people and see if we actually did it. Because mm-hmm. we can do that a lot faster than trying to figure out how to like wrapper the perfect message to sell this to everybody, which by the way, will never happen. Like yep. nothing you make will ever be for everyone. Yeah. So it, it, it's very confusing because it's like, okay, we could be literally marketing every individual thing that you guys build in dev very, very, very quickly if someone got up from that sprint meeting, right? And walked that user story down to marketing and said, hey, this is what we finished this week, right? Here's our yep. done cards. Yep. These are the things we built that we're going to be rolling out. Can you get marketing in line with this? And I got to tell you, when we do that and we hand marketing a user story and we say, we built this for this person. Can you market to them really quick? They can actually very quickly um, with very little difficulty in place. So that was, that was a big aha moment for, for me. The other one is I, I I noticed people were referring to sales funnel, especially on the agile side as if it were a piece of software. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's a process, not a software. Mm -hmm. Like a funnel is cool, but your salespeople are part of your funnel. Mm-hmm. right? And if you keep trying to say that the funnel is marketing's responsibility and only marketing's responsibility and marketing should know this, you're ignoring half of the conversation. And as Agilists, we know that customer collaboration is more important than contract negotiation, right? Yep. Yep. So for us to go in and say, hey, we're going to ignore the people who actually talk to the customer, the salespeople, yeah, while yeah. we do the marketing, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it didn't make any sense. Like it was the least agile approach possible. It was like, okay, you got to, we have to rope the salespeople in, right? We have to look at the, the funnel as a process and these people are the humans and the marketing work is the technology and together that's how we, we do our job, right? Yeah, so it was, it was and, and I guess maybe for me, I was lucky because I came from business development, which is a little yeah. sales, a little marketing. So that you guys love this word in agile, the holistic approach yeah, and um, for the front end of the business, the holistic approach is sales and marketing being viewed as a whole. Yeah. Holistically.
0: Um, (laughs) What (laughs) you're saying really rings true to me. Sorry. uh, What you're saying actually kind of really sparks something in me because we've been talking a lot in our company right now about um, there's only two things you need to do build amazing product and love your client. And it sounds like the other part of it's been left out in the rush for product. um, And that's kind of what you're talking about, I think, because the people who do love the client and talk to the client a a lot are sales and marketing. They're the ones building the the relationship. Correct. And that's just as much of a value stream as the product and needs to needs the care and attention that it needs. Sorry, Maria, what were you saying?
2: Oh yeah. I just wanted to build on to what Nick was saying, where you know, a lot of these challenges that he's talking about that he was recognizing and how the development teams aren't talking to the marketing departments or the salespeople. This is what we see all the time in large corporations. Yep. So we've got all of these different departments, like businesses have scaled so big that they, we aren't talking with all of the development teams I've worked with, I've worked on, I've done agile coaching. Like we don't actually talk to the people that talk to the customer. There's mm. so many layers between us and the end user. And that's where a lot of companies are challenged is they don't have that direct line of sight or full feedback loop to really incorporating the, what is needed in the product and delivering it to mm. the right people.
0: As an Agile coach, I've said that's often the, one of the biggest things that I see. When I've done coaching in the past, I've always said it's really, really amazing how great people get at pushing in, pushing products, pushing stories out, getting to done all the time. But when you're not talking to your customer, you're losing half the value of Agile um, with that inflow when you can actually learn and validate your learning as you go. It's, just, it's really weird that we're still in this spot where we get so focused on uh, on the, on only half of agile when the listening and learning and, and, and pivoting is is just as important.
1: Well, it's, we miss a lot of things. Right. And that's, um, I think that's important to remember, like there's some natural laws that are always at play in business. Um, one of them is that, you know, great organizations and successful people do the things we all probably know we should do, but generally don't do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's always, always, always in play. Um, and I think the other one that's kind of always in play is, you know, your your people will never treat your customers better than you treat them. Mm -hmm. And the people that are treating your customers on the front line are your salespeople. Mm -hmm. So the way that you respect and treat and communicate and collaborate and the culture that you build between your sales and marketing people is going to drastically affect the culture that your, your, your customers receive when dealing with those salespeople and that marketing message. Yep. And you know, respect doesn't flow uphill. It flows middle out. right? Like when you're a good leader, your respect and your care for your people is flowing through you, through your people, into your customers, and then Mm -hmm. back the other way. And I think that's really important for people to take a a step back and look at is that we're not telling you to go go sell harder or to close more. We're telling you to take a more collaborative approach to the way you you interact with the customer. And if you take a more collaborative approach with the salespeople and the marketing people, they'll take a more collaborative approach in the way they deal with the customer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you know, we often talk about the agile mindset about being able to work directly with customers, validate learning as you go. It sounds like you're employing all these things really in, in marketing. Did you find that that was not the case before and you had to uh, augment the way you worked?
1: So it wasn't encouraged. Okay. Right? And, and I think it's because there are there are two words um, in the agile language that are very important words to, to the dev team and to the agilists that are very scary words to the salespeople and um, to a lesser degree, the marketing people. And those words are transparency and accountability. Yep. We're not, like, like salespeople are not big fans of being transparent, right? Yep. Because God knows what you've got to say to get that deal closed. And you really don't want to have to discuss <laughs> it with your manager until that, yep. that yep. refund comes. Yep. Um, and then, you know, the marketing people are, are very used to being siloed. They really are, right? And they're used to saying like, oh, well, that didn't work because of this. I'll do something different. And they're very reactionary because they're always, I've, I've noticed that the marketers in a company are either just completely left to do whatever they want yep. or they look like abused animals, right? It's one of the two. There's, there's not a whole lot of companies that have great, you know, they, that, that their marketing and sales staff, you know, really feels a connection to the rest of the business. And, and it's, it's interesting too, because the marketing and the salespeople in, in most companies, when you see, they almost have their own separate culture from the rest of the company. Interesting. They're like culturally siloed. And I used to say this, yep. I'm like, listen, imagine the company is, is a high school with ashtrays for just a second. Um, we're yeah. a little bit older. We're allowed to yep. smoke 21. Yep. Um, and, um, You've got different types of people in that high school. Like we're all in the same school, right? And the school has its own culture. There's there's a sense of school spirit for the for the thing. But the the jocks, right? And they they have a very different mentality than the mathletes and the band geeks. Yeah, okay. Um, And I remember having this discussion with Dave Prior. He was like, "Did you know I was I was a band geek?" And I'm like, "No." But statistically speaking, as 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 a development guide an agileista. I would have guessed that you would have been in one of those two buckets. I've only met like nine jocks that have taken to this stuff. So, yep. but yep. that's really what it is, right? We're allowed to have a very different sense of culture on the sales and, and, and marketing side because it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a win culture, right? It's not a collaborative yep. culture. You're not yep. taught that you become a successful salesperson by collaborating. You're taught that you become a successful salesperson by closing. And closing is the opposite of opening. And opening is how you create a relationship and it's how you collaborate, right? You, yep. you, you, you want open communication and their culture yep. is built around close. And yep. so one of the things that we have to do when we start doing you know, agile transformation for a company is to encourage their salespeople to always be connecting, not mm-hmm. closing. Because in every yep. conversation, there's dots they can be connecting that help you make them understand why the thing that you guys have is valuable to them, right? That's connecting dots. That's not forcing someone thing on somebody. Right? It's not coercion and manipulation, it's empathy and listening, which again, all these techniques that we employ as agile coaches to better manage teams can actually be brought into the way we do our sales process. And they can be brought into the way that we respect the people during our marketing process. And we, we, we don't see that it's internal versus external communication, right? Mm-hmm. We, we sort of silo that. And it's like, well, we talk this way to each other, but the salespeople don't talk that way to our customers. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's a problem. Because if you're in the midst of a holistic agile transformation and you want your entire company to live, eat, sleep, and breathe these very basic things like customer collaboration, then you can't ignore the entire revenue center of the company and let them have a different separate set of subculture.
0: Yeah. That's a really, really interesting point. Um, because often the people with the most face time with the customer are those salespeople. Um, and if they've got a completely different way of working a different way of culture, And they're not even communicating very well, like with the developer. So not they are, if the whole company is not communicating very well, then you're not getting that customer centric mindset into the product. Um, Unless your product team are spending just as much time doing customer interviews, which is often not the case, actually. There's not a lot of times when product people get that much time to spend outside the company with the customers. Um, So it seems like it's like a no brainer that these people need to be sharing information, having a collaborative approach where they're not the information is not getting translated or, or, you know, um, how can I put it kind of changed along the way and they're getting the raw understanding of what the value the customer is looking for. A hundred
1: percent.
2: And part of that challenge, Simon, what we're seeing is a lot of larger organizations have so many silos that Mm. just the way the development teams are not talking to the marketing teams or the salespeople, we're finding within marketing, we just led a training class for a very large company, about two billion in revenue, and their marketing team is segmented so much that we're teaching them agile marketing, and here's how you use this iterative approach to apply to your marketing approach, and they're like, well, that'd be great, but we actually don't even see any of the data of what campaigns Mm. that we create, what happened to that? And we're like, okay, come again, what? Like, you you don't (laughs) see anything? So so we're told by one group, here's the creative direction, we create that, and we give it to someone else, and they actually send it out. Mm-hmm. And we, they, As the actual people creating the marketing messages, they don't actually see what worked and what didn't work. That feedback never comes back to them. And a couple mm-hmm. of the other challenges that we've seen with a lot of large companies is that, one, their marketing campaign cycles are way too long, yep. and their message to market match is not refined. And as mm-hmm. an example of that, about two and a half years ago, we led a workshop for one of the largest insurance companies in Portugal. They've been around mm-hmm. about 200 years, had 40% of the market share. And we're like, okay, what's the average length of time your marketing campaigns will run? And their answer was three to, three to four months. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a quarter of a year. So mm-hmm. how long can a company afford to go a quarter of a year to guess or hope that their messaging is the right messaging? Yeah. So if, yeah. if we haven't done those short iterative tests and split tests and inspected and adapted and iterated, how do we know if that messaging is right we don't even know what we don't know yeah and that's what we're seeing companies are getting some sales and that's okay right the ship is afloat and they're increasing maybe a little bit but they're not even aware of what they're missing out on because they're not doing that refinement in their
0: message so in that in that in those cycles as you're talking about is it typically digital media where people are able to get those, that, that feedback quickly? or Because I know large companies like you're talking about, I still use like TV, TV commercials and, and print, but it's hard to really get data back from that. Is that, is that what's happening?
1: Well, okay, so this comes into another thing, right? And, and, and about five years ago when Maria had me first kind of starting to hang around with a lot of these agile people, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about something else that I didn't realize was a, a big corporate discussion, which is they were still talking about online and offline marketing. Yeah. Like five years prior to that, I, I had a magazine, right? So we're talking 10 years ago yep. and the magazine was, went away in lieu of online, right? Yep. Cause we knew, Hey, it's taken me 10 times longer to sell somebody into a print ad. And in order to make any real money, I got to assure them they got to be in five issues. Mm-hmm. And then I realized something else, like the media buying cycles were so screwed up because like yep. I'd go to try to sell magazine space to doc Martins and they're like, well, you're a new magazine and we only buy ad space two years out. Like, yeah. Why would you buy ad space two years out? How do you know what's <laughs> going to be trending two years? Are you insane? Yeah. So like the, the internet stuff was so different because when we talked to the, the, the media buyer for online, they'd be like, oh yeah, we, we, we our budget is now. Yeah. I was like, well, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's like 10 years ago, I realized that, 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 that was that way. But then five years ago when I got around the agile people and I still noticed people were talking about online versus offline and what they mean, they don't mean online versus offline marketing. You know what they mean? they mean trackable versus yeah. throwing money in the trash can and setting it on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's what it is. There's, there's yeah. no offline marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I can what? put unique URLs, unique phone numbers into a billboard onto a park bench. I can have, you know, a unique landing yep. page for every individual. Like there's a way to track everything. Mm. And if you're not tracking, it's because you're lazy, not because you can't. Yep. And if you, honest to God, if the thing that you're putting your ad in cannot be tracked, and it's probably a waste of money.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, I can see how that would work. And that's got nothing to do with where you sit in the organization. It's got nothing to do with, you know, what, what, what team you're on. It's got to do with just making sure that you get that feedback loop built in from the beginning.
1: You can, I can put unique tracking onto a church bulletin. Yeah. Like it is, it's, it's really, there's nothing. There's mm-hmm. literally nothing that can't be tracked. I could go out right now. I could print out eight different pieces of paper right? Mm -hmm. That had different unique phone numbers on the little tear strips for a dog walking company, but have different phone numbers going to call rail, stick them in eight different coffee shops and tell you which coffee shop gets the best return for sticking a bulletin board ad up for a dog walking company. Everything is trackable.
0: Yep. I find this really, a really amazing topic because I used to work in the telecommunications sector and uh, basically every day they had to pivot their marketing message. Every day they had to pivot their sales. Um, because it was just such a fast-paced thing and this is where we want maybe we want to talk about competitors because when your competitor drops then you offer into the market the question is how long before you're going to react in some ways you need some companies you need to react almost immediately in some companies maybe you have some time but at the end of the day you need to be able to um uh t- react but also test and learn so i think that's that's a really, really important part, especially as we talk about change happening. I'm sure a lot of people have had to, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, um, they had probably had, you probably, you said it, we've, we've decided our, our ad spend for the year, this is how it's going to be, and then COVID comes in. <laughs> okay, what are we doing now? <laughs> no one's buying, no one's going to the news agent, no one's going to the coffee shop, those billboards aren't going to work anymore because no one's driving by them. What are we doing?
1: I'm killing it right now, but we're, you know, we're all <laughs> online based and we're all data driven and we're all using AI. So like yeah. my customers are so happy right now. And I'm like, and hey, guess here's the best news because everybody's at home scrolling Facebook all day. Our ads have become three times more effective. Yeah. Um, but then it's also responding to the market need, right? Like, so our main exactly. agency here, you know, does a lot of PPC and, and programmatic AI driven media buying using some of the advanced agile marketing psychographic techniques we've developed. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, believe it or not, in the last couple of weeks since COVID hit, we haven't been pushing our main service, right? Mm -hmm. Because why? Well, because we're talking to the business owners and our salespeople who use a pivot table. And that's another great word, right? We love the word pivot in agile, but guess what? Salespeople have been using pivot tables since God knows when, you know? So we have a pivot table and I see what people are buying. And I very quickly realized that whether the salespeople were going to tell me or not, we were selling a lot more no-show campaigns, Yep. Right, which is an automated campaign that follows up when someone doesn't make it to a sales set. Yep. And I was like, well, this is interesting. We don't usually sell a lot of no-show campaigns and we're selling a lot of no-show campaigns according to the pivot table. Yeah. I wonder why that is. So I go in and I start listening to the calls. Now I have taught all of my salespeople had to sell as a consultant, which means you ask questions, the most important questions. You basically mm-hmm. retrospect on every, on every sales call. You ask, yep. hey, what's going well, right? Mm-hmm. What's What's been changing in your business, right? And, and what would you ideally like to be doing that you're not doing? That's, that's how you sell someone. Just so we're all clear, free advice for anybody out there trying to build a business. That is the <laughs> proper way to go about building a con- with high dollar, like vendor, like, customer that you want to have for a long time don't sell them something ask them some questions yeah. and if you can't fill three sheets of paper with with notes on those three questions you didn't talk to them enough just straight up yeah. so i start listening and in the middle section all of my sales guys are talking about you know what's I'm like well people aren't showing up to appointments people aren't showing up to appointments. my sales guys cannot get anybody to show up and so my sales guys who listen who are taught to listen realize very quickly okay this covid thing has created a very different market shift right It's very easy to get people to respond to a Facebook ad because everybody's on Facebook, but it's very difficult to get someone to show up to a a sales appointment because people are very distracted, right? Mm -hmm. So because of the fact that we have a very, very, we, we literally use a one week sprint for both sales and marketing and we read off of a pivot table for data at the end of each, each review, right? Each retrospect, we very quickly spun everything, changed everything. redirected the front end pitch to start asking that question. Hey, have you noticed a, a higher degree of debt? No shows in your appointments, right? And by doing that, we were able to, to lean very heavy into this and it's caused us to actually grow substantially over the last several weeks. So again, we put down our primary product offering, which is almost 10 times as expensive as the secondary offering. But because yeah. we listen to our customers and the market, because yeah. again, when you're, when you're sampling customers, you're actually sampling the market as a whole, right? Yeah. And because we leaned in, we've actually 2Xed our revenue selling a, 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 a product that's about a tenth the cost. So think about that. We're selling so you were 20 tuned, times tuning, more.
0: You are tuning your pipeline based upon what's changed in market. And, and
1: Absolutely. that's really
0: the whole thing that we're talking
1: about here. Um, and here's the interesting thing. Traditional knowledge would say, oh, well, you just blew a bunch of high dollar deals. But yep. customer collaboration tells us, no, we just built relationship. And a month mm-hmm. or two months from now, when the market calms down and those people are ready to grow again, Yep. I have built trust, yep. trust that will turn into bigger customers. Yep. Got
0: it. Okay. Well, it's got some slides here, which we should probably uh, have a look at. Uh, let me start sharing my screen. And here. Um, okay. So you guys are from the, or well, Maria and Nick from the Agile Marketing Academy. Um, obviously, something that you've built with after all of your experience, and it's one of the capabilities that we have on the um, the Comparative Agility website, um, which is something that you've got. You've got your own certification, but it's something that you've been delivering around the world, as you've been saying with um, in Portugal, and you know, obviously, a lot in the US, um, but. I can see you doing it basically everywhere.
2: (laughs) Yeah. What's really exciting about this, Simon, and there might be a few more animations on the slide. If you click forward, Um, we've seen that the need and the interest for agile applied to marketing is actually pretty consistent around the globe. And that's really Mm -hmm. exciting to see it across Europe, Asia, the U S companies of all sizes and of all types of industries and geographic locations are all benefiting from this. So why is that? Well, because some of the common challenges that we've already talked about, you know, people have long marketing campaign cycles. They're yeah. used to historically doing their traditional marketing cycle and campaigns, whereas we know if we're transitioning from agile and development to using an iterative approach, but then mm-hmm. we go into a traditional marketing campaign, We're not really getting the full benefit of business agility right if only it or whoever's creating the product is agile so what we're really excited about is that company i was talking about the large insurance company in portugal what we found was that they actually they're normally looking at stuff from three to four months but as we're going through the agile marketing curriculum and showing them how to apply minimum viable campaigns we're getting that lead time down to one to two weeks Within a couple of weeks, they can actually test the marketing message, refine it and come back and build upon that, rather than waiting a quarter of a year. So it's really, really exciting to see what companies are, uh, and really the benefits they're getting in just starting to think different and then starting to work different.
1: It's worth noting that um, in our our specialist class, when we first started doing this years ago, we would, these people who were like, oh, you don't know how long a marketing cycle is and it takes forever to get feedback. We were like, okay, cool we're going to take a feature that you guys just wrote out in that user story and we're going to write it into a Facebook post. Then we're going to target the people that you said it was for. And then we're going to put a $20 budget behind it. And tomorrow when we start the class again, we're going to look at what happened. Mm -hmm. They were like, wait, we can get feedback by tomorrow morning on a fictitious campaign for $20. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can. Yep. You can test any idea. I, I, you know, and, was- and
0: it's really coming down to that chunking it, because it's the same thing you would have, Oh, we're going to release um, a new piece of new feature to our customers in, uh, in our software, but you've got to build everything before it goes out. Actually, no, it, a lot of the time, it is just a mindset if you go, I'm okay doing just this bit and, and knowing that I have a lot more to do, but just doing one bit at a time.
2: Yeah, and on the next slide, Simon, I want to talk a little bit about how we built the agile marketing curriculum and the stuff that we train it's actually built on the foundation of the heart of agile which is created by Mm -hmm. Alistair Coburn who's one of the original co-authors of the agile manifesto and you know over the last what five six years there's been all this talk about scaling frameworks and scaling agile yeah and I love the quote by I think it was Chet Hendrickson and Ron Jeffries were being interviewed at one of the agile conferences and I remember Chet said What are we trying to scale if we can't even deliver something every couple of weeks, right? And so it's like getting back to the core of of what are we really trying to do. And you have all these authors of the Agile Manifesto saying, why do we need a document that's an inch thick to tell us how to use Agile and scale it, right? There's something wrong there. And Alistair is one of the guys that said, hey, let's get back to the heart of what Agile is really about. And the heart of Agile is simply those four words, collaborate, deliver, reflect, and improve.
0: Yeah, uh, I think there was another quote where someone said, you don't need to scale Agile to your organization, you need to descale your organization to Agile, um, which I, th- I thought was very that. insightful to say. Um, yeah, exactly. This is where everything that we've been talking about on the peripheries, DevOps, you know, a rapid prototyping, UX, all that kind of stuff, actually really, they all fit together to form that. That's really true. And this is another part of that. If you can actually descale your marketing campaign to be not two years out, and actually deliver value every every week or two then that that's a much better place to be one, one question i do have is where do you find people think the biggest uh biggest part of the agile marketing sorry agile just that marketing process is is it in content creation
1: i'd like to say it's in content creation but it's in the feedback loop it's in the collaboration yep Right. So, so when Alistair kind of stripped agile back and I, and I don't want to get, I, I don't want to harp too much on the heart of agile, but maybe we should, um, maybe we should. Why not? Uh, why <laughs> not? Kind of He's that. pretty brilliant. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm particularly connected to that content as, as he was writing it in, in the kitchen of my old house while he was putting it together and he would just like keep yeah. running out of the kitchen yelling. He's like, look at this. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is really smart. I still have no idea what you guys do yet, but this sounds great. And, and for me, it was this kind of realization, right? Like I realized a couple of things, and that was that I didn't know what, what safe was. I didn't know what scaled agile frameworks were, right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't know what any of this stuff was. So I was coming into something kind of fresh, right? And this is the issue. I was the ideal avatar, right? So you're right. trying to figure out, hey, how do, I, how, do I, how do I get agile into every department? Well, I'm the other departments, right? I'm the revenue center. My brain yeah. is, is, is the brain that you're going to deal with when you hit that center of the company. Yep. And I didn't get it. And for me, it was like, dude, it's like going on to the ho- like, show Hoarders. Everybody's seen Hoarders, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you showed up at a hoarder's house and you were like, here's how we're gonna fix the problem. We're going to build a box for every single thing in here. And mm-hmm. that way it's all organized. And it's like, no, n- no, that's gonna make it worse then because then my entire house is full of tiny, tiny, tiny boxes. And <laughs> just because they're all labeled in tiny boxes does not mean you've decluttered anything. You just put it all into tiny individual boxes. Yeah. I wouldn't fix the hoarding problem, right? It would, it would actually make it exponentially more difficult because mm-hmm. now you'd have a hoarder that has a bunch of boxes and I'd, and maybe within a week's time, they're going to empty all the boxes. So now you've got all the junk plus all the boxes. Yep. And it's like, no, no, what you need to do to fix the hoarding situation is fix the hoarding situation. You have to get rid of stuff. Yep. And the yep. word agile implies light, you know, fast and flexible. Yep. So why would you make it heavy and complex? It, it was very confusing to me. Um, and I think that we've seen it's very easy for someone to grab onto four words, right? When, we, when I say collaborate, it, it's really hard for anybody to go, I don't know what you mean by that. It's like, no, I mean, collaborate, like together, let's, let's all do this together, right? And it's like, well, then what, then what do I do? Well, then the next thing you should do is deliver. It's like, yep. really? And it's like, yeah, immediately. Like once you've found your tribe and you know who you're working with and you guys can, I can, can collaborate and actually work together, make something. And I'm like, imagine that it was a, a brand, like any, imagine it's not even a business. It's just any project. Like yeah, I want to build a, a, anything, right? I want to build a, a raised garden bed, right? Well, I yep. need to collaborate. I need some people that know what they're doing, right? And then the next thing we need to do once we're all together and we have materials and we're gonna start is we need to build the thing, deliver it, right? And then what do you do after you deliver something? Well, you reflect. Oh, I can understand reflect. That makes sense to me, right? Well, why do I reflect? So you can improve. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> I can wrap my head around all four of those words in linear order and it makes sense. And guess what? Well, what do I do after I've improved? You collaborate again. I do. Yeah. Cause now you're better at it. Well, well then what do I do after that? Well you deliver again because you're better at it and then you reflect again so you can yep. get read all of it. Mm-hmm. And it really like, so when you look at that collaborate, deliver it, reflect and improve, it literally implies to anything. It applies to your life, right? In, in order to do anything in your life, anything great. And, 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 and I mean this, right? Like you can do great things by yourself, but the reality is to do something truly great. You need to be able to collaborate with others. Mm-hmm. So to do anything, you need to collaborate and you need to do something, right? Yeah. It means nothing to be around the best people in a talk if you're not gonna do. Yeah. And then you have to so- take time and look at what you did. Yeah.
0: And this is where we can already see that the reflect and improve sometimes is just forgotten because the moment the people are so focused on the delivery part, but it is really a complete cycle. Um, My question from before comes back to, do you feel in your experience, are people too focused on being perfect in the content they're creating and the delivery? Because I've, I mean, I've worked in ad agencies before. Um, For us to deliver something for Coke was what, at least six to eight weeks because I had to go back to Atlanta, get approved, come back. So that was always the biggest thing to actually get something to, yep, this is approved, send it out to the market. And once
1: something is approved, what do they call it?
0: You're gonna have to help me there.
1: An artifact. Yep. So when the marketing team goes, go get approved information, they go, let me go through the artifacts. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: How relevant is something if you refer to it as an artifact? (laughs) I'm just curious.
2: Well, and Simon, what we're seeing is that that is where people are getting hung up on a couple different levels. At the smaller organization level, because we do work with entrepreneurs as well as up to the Fortune 100, the yep. entrepreneurs get stuck in that perfectionism trap. Yeah. So it's not perfect yet. I can't let go of it. And we'll see that up at the organization level as well. But where more of the roadblocks come at the organization level is that, yeah, you might have some people trying to get stuff perfect still. So like they're they're delaying on when it's available for review. But yeah. like the departments and all the people that have to review things, my yeah. goodness, it's crippling. Yeah. So they're like, by the well, time- le- This I is get...
0: legal, et cetera, everything. Yes. Yeah, go ahead.
2: By the the time it goes to those other departments, they're like, okay, so I'm waiting for weeks to get back the approval from all these people who are even more detached from the end results and the end Mm. feedback than the person creating it. Mm -hmm. And they're they're giving their um, personal preference is the challenge. It's not validated learning. We're not getting the feedback loop. So now we're waiting for people that are completely disconnected from the end customer to give their personal opinion on how they want the copy to look how they want the ads to look and that's, that's just causing everything to come to a halt, waiting, waiting, waiting. So yeah, you sell that perfectionism as an individual and then once they get it to, it's just right for approval. Now we're waiting for even more weeks. And that's, yes, it's, so it's in the content development process and also the approval of that content, the larger the company gets.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I don't know if we get into this, but is this solved by actually just like you would in a development team instead of going to design, and then coding and then testing, et cetera, do you have a cross-functional marketing team which can actually get to done quicker? Yes,
1: 100% yes. And that's where that second loop on there, the targeted yep. campaign comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, listen, we can do a targeted campaign, right? I don't, I don't, there is at no point in time can a cross-functioning marketing team not produce a targeted campaign that we can yep. get a measurable result from inside of a two-week sprint.
0: Good. Okay. That, I think that solves my, my question right there. That's Because that's typically not the case. As you're saying, you can see things go from, okay, go from design to legal to, to, to executive and then back again. And it's like, wait a minute, it was three weeks. I still haven't got this campaign shipped. So you need to be able to deliver, as you're saying, right here on the slide.
1: I, I can give you a really quick example. Don't mean to cut you off, Maria, but before Maria and I started working together, the last big project I did was for a large brewery. Uh, One of the biggest, not going to mention their name because they're taking a little heat right now over something that's happening in pop culture um, around us all, but they make a very popular beer and they make some other beers that are very similar and they were trying to increase tap handle sales of of one of their lower market beers. And so they got the great idea of doing a graphic novel to bartenders to better engage the bartender. Great idea, right? And yeah. we executed yeah. the living hell out of it. And they paid us hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this. And we wrote and published and, and produced and shipped them 12 issues that were supposed to go out of the course of a year that cost, like I said, hundreds of thousands of dollars to make. And then after the second issue was actually distributed was the first time legal was able to respond, respond to them about their feelings on the legality of a bartender based comic book. Uh-huh.
2: And by the way,
1: the word comic book was only mentioned in one internal memo instead of the word graphic novel. Apparently, for six and a half months, no one on the legal team connected that graphic novel and comic book were the same thing. Mm -hmm. After it was out, the word comic book was used and they pulled and got rid of everything. So they spent over, I think, almost a half million dollars after after it was all said and done to make Mm -hmm. and distribute the thing and then had to pull it back, which cost even more money, and then shelve it. And things like that would happen all the time.
0: Do they just not like the the name or was there something that? Was like it, that the legal
1: content. found that, that an alcohol company and a comic book together was a was a legal gray area that they were not willing oh, to bring. Yeah,
0: yeah. They they, they now, associated comic books with maybe youth markets, et cetera, and they said, Yeah, we don't want to do that. Yeah, got it.
1: Now, do you think if maybe they would have seen, I don't know, character compositions or, or like the first round of the creative for that in yep. the first two weeks, maybe legal would have stopped them from spending three hundred some odd thousand dollars?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I'm not complaining because I got paid for the whole thing. Yeah, but
0: it wasn't uh-huh. value. It, it wasn't value it's like a failed it project kind of like and it was you really see, cool you see it thrive yeah, oh yeah. dude
1: and i get that like when i talk to the it people they're like you don't know we make stuff and it never makes it anywhere and i'm like you guys i feel that pain <laughs> like what have i told you like i spent months of my life making a comic book that i think is really really good that'll never see the light of day ever yeah. mm-hmm. so
0: okay cool so moving forward uh this is really really important the agile funnel that you've just been talking about
1: It is. Um, And it's that, that middle ground, right? We we talk Mm -hmm. about educate offer in the middle and that's the thing, right? That's your user story. That's, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. So someone needs to understand, yeah, I'm the person you're talking about. I have the problems you're talking about and I need the solution you're talking about, right? That's the middle point. That's the user story. The landing page is just the user story written into sales copy. Yeah, makes sense. So everything that happens around marketing actually happens around the user story. That's the thing we found out. And so all wow. effective marketing is middle out built around a user story. Everything above it is happening to find the person that fits the user story. Everything yep. below it yep. is happening to engage the person that fits that user story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And here's the cool thing. Every person, whether they spend money to hit that landing page or not, you now have interaction with and you know they fit the demographics of your ideal user, which means you can start talking to them, whether they buy or not, you can get feedback. That feedback is crucial to figuring out exactly what it is they do need. Maybe that landing page gets you hundreds of people who would be theoretically interested in the solution, but none buy. Mm -hmm. Well, a very quick email could find out why.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's not, maybe it's not the demographic that's off. It's just the, feature that you're shipping niche needs to change and then you might see the, up- the uptake that you're talking about. Exactly.
1: But everything is user story centric.
0: Uh, that That's actually, I mean, it's taking a little bit of time for that syncing, but it just makes so much sense because that's where we're trying to, that's the smallest increment of value in Agile is the user story. This is, and, and it's very specifically crafted around that. No, we have to, often have to have long conversations around saying, no, no, It's not the how, it's not the task. You can create that afterwards, but if you're not focusing on what value you're shipping every week, um, you're not really doing it for the customer, you're doing it to be busy. And it it makes sense that that is the core unit, which goes all the way from someone's mind, all the way through development, all the way through sales, all the way through, sorry, all the way through marketing, all the way through sales to actually arrive on someone's doorstep and go, hey, here's your, here's your, Here's your delivery for the day. Exactly. Here's your, we've shipped this to you Um, um, rather than just and it is something that I think I see come up a lot in, in organizations where there is a fear and mistrust that um, product teams is going to ship it. And that's it. We've, we've put it to production. It's on, it's on the internet. That's it. But we all know that loving your clients and actually having them excited and under and clear on the value that you're delivering is not so easy and there's some follow-up steps in in the way that you you know do your release notes the way that you actually maybe do an email like you're talking about saying hey this new ship this new feature is now shipped and understanding how people are really reacting to that via what the, what emails they're opening but also from your customer your behavior analytics are they actually clicking on that thing in the in the in the software and are they using it all that so information we learned this necessary
1: Right. And then here's the trick. We didn't learn this studying big corporate. We learned this studying internet marketers. These, yeah. these, these wily little men that find ways to make millions of dollars in a few months without following any of the rules of business. Right. And it's like, yeah. well, how are they doing that? What are they doing? And here's what they do. All right. They sit down sometimes with a bottle of whiskey. And I actually know one that does it exactly like this. And he writes a user story. He goes, there's a group yeah. of people who have this problem and would require a solution like this. And he writes an extremely de- detailed user story, right? Super detailed about who they are, why they would feel that, that pain. And then from there, he goes and contacts some developers and says, hey, this, this solution I'm talking about, how do we build this? And they build it. And then as they're building it, he goes out and he says, hey, all of my like, fellow marketers, you have audiences that, that listen to you, right? This is a thing I'm building for a problem I think we have will you help me collaboratively develop the copy to sell it? Yep. And so then they start doing what, you know, what they call swipes. So everybody kind of, I, I guess you would call like a hackathon. Everybody's yep. working together to write the sales copy together. Right? So it happens very, very fast. And then they're, they're copying the emails they're writing and sending them out to their own lists to get fa- like fast feedback. And all yep. the while, right, they're still developing the product while they're marketing. Like it's in depth. Mm-hmm. And then they start hy- like two weeks before they think it, it, the, the, they, get, they get the beta in and they can now use it. And they're like, okay, it works. And they shoot a product demo video and then they send out that product demo video and start hyping that launch of that product and getting their customer base electrified about it. Right. This is going to solve your problem. And then they say, Oh, and by the way, if you have friends this solves a problem for we'll pay you to bring them in too. Yeah. Right. So now you have, we just wrote copy with you that appeals to you and everyone like you. You helped us write it as you helped us build out the product itself around your user story. And then when they launch within the first two to three weeks, because they have an active customer base that has been engaged in the process of this problem being solved for them for the last few months, that first week or two, they'll do millions of dollars of sales on a brand new product that's never existed before. And then we watch these big companies launch new products and do zero sales and they'll throw millions of dollars of budget behind it. And by the way, those, those, those million dollar online marketing products that I was talking about, they don't spend any money to launch a product. Yep. None.
0: It, it, it's, it's a really uh, bad feeling when you do something like that. And you actually said it uh, a little bit ago, I was once working with an intern in my company, who literally said the same thing when I, one of these projects was canceled. Um, He said, why didn't we just take that million, tens of million dollars, turn it into a dumpster and just light it on fire? That would have been the same (laughs) thing. Would have been the same thing. Exactly. And we don't want to be wasting money like that.
1: And what what was the most crazy thing to me is that these people were writing user stories and had no clue what a user story was.
0: Yep. But you know what? Some people use the word customer centric or whatever, but it's all the same thing, right? mm -hmm. So."
1: It's, it's objectivism, right? Objectively speaking, we will all end up at the same logical conclusion on a long enough timeline. Mm -hmm. And so they just got there first. And why? Because they're inherently more agile than us. Because when you're a one man company that can do everything, you are probably inherently lighter, faster, and more flexible than everybody else.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here you've got basically three parts to the funnel on screen. One is the, uh, for anyone who's listening on the audio, um, the top part is obviously what you've called the filter area where we're talking about you basically getting, it's um, I'm going to talk to it and you tell me if I'm getting it really wrong or not. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically you're getting really clear on who your customer is as you're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. That could be anything from where they, where they live, uh, where they are in life, what kind of things they like to do their interests their behaviors, all those kinds of things. So you can be crystal clear on, this is the person that I'm talking to. And this is, as you're talking about with your user story, this is as an X, like as a user, as a administrator, as a mum, as a, um, as a uh, soccer coach or anything like that. We're going to be extremely clear on who we're targeting. Then you've got a second part here, the educate or, or the landing page or, or the content that you're creating. Um, now, there's Hard a gap here I'm seeing with what's the... Well, actually, you know, it's right here. Sorry, the offer. So you've, you know, who you're, who you're talking to and you craft something. Where did, where does the problem come into this,
1: this? So the landing page, right? If properly constructed has five yeah. parts. Okay. Okay. And what it's going to do is it's going to connect on the problem. So it's going to talk okay. about, this is the problem we're experiencing, right? Yep. Then it's going to share the story of the solution, a narrative yep. about why we chose to solve that problem for you. Then yep. it's going to break down and build up the value right yep. so here's the here's the, here's the features and benefits yeah then it's going to go into social proof right so here's other people that we built this around here's what they experienced being as part of the beta you know this yep. is why you these people you should identify with right and then call to action yeah so that's that landing page having those five parts and those five parts can always be extrapolated from a user story right yep. and we've we've come up with a system that works every single time you take a user story you write out that user story And then you do a 17 crucial questions exercise, and that information then dumps right into how you write a landing page every time.
0: Okay. Really, really useful. Because on the user story, we've got those three parts, which is the who, we got the what I want, well, the why I want it. And who is your ideal customer?
1: Yeah, exactly. What problem do they need you to solve? And why is it making their life miserable?
0: Yeah, got it. And then after that, once we've, they've interacted with that landing page, you've got below that the capture, retargeting, drip campaign, lead magnet, and repeat qualified leads. And what I'm really noticing about this is it's not really all about closing. I mean, that'd be lovely, but it, you've talked about retargeting, drip campaigns, lead magnets, et cetera. It's more about nurturing than closing. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, it's relationship building. It's but customer you need someone to find them
0: before you can call them back. So yeah. that's why the
1: capture is so important. Capture is important. That's the single most important thing, actually, is just getting them engaged. Because once they know who you are and that you have the ability to solve their problem. And, and Frank Kern said this years ago. And I said this year. Like so many people have been saying this for years, right? Only like 3% of people are actually in market to buy now. Yep. Right? The rest of them are, are, are somewhere between two weeks and 12 months out from being ready to buy now with behavioral targeting right which is a new thing that we've gotten into and, and, and i'm not going to touch on this too much but that behavior thing there that last line of defense yeah. we have figured out how to figure like how to, how to gauge who is in that three percent of people ready to buy mm-hmm. like behavior tells you a lot like let's say you're looking for someone ready to sell their home well guess what if, if they've been researching the the most popular colors of paint and on Zillow and they've, you know, recently on Amazon purchased some new drawer pulls and we can see that they've been talking to contractors and searching Google and Amazon for a home edition. They're ready, right? Like we can see based on enough behavior and, and AI really helps with this. We're able to kind of do some things with behavioral mapping that we couldn't do five, 10 years ago, but we can know like, Hey, everyone that took an action did these actions Mm 1st and so that if a person is, is ready to buy now, which is only 3% of the market, right? Then they do these things first. And we know yep. because we can look backwards using modern technology on what they did before they bought and say, okay, if they bought today, what did they do the last 90 days? And then we can start laying those, those map, behavioral maps on top of each other until the AI is able to say, okay, here we go. Everybody that made that decision did the following 40 things yep. in the 90 days. So anybody else that we're monitoring that does those 40 things in the next 90 days is about to be ready to buy and they should be marketed to first. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that that helps on the front end. But remember that's still only 3% of your possible market share. So if you're going to ignore everything that happens after, you know, if you try to only sell at that point of the landing page, you literally are cutting out 97% of your plausible sales. Mm -hmm. And we all know this, right? People have been getting more and more into how do I nurture my emails? How do I take care of my list? How do I handle my customers? And we're becoming more customer centric, but we're not realizing that that's part of the marketing function. And it's a cultural thing that has to change in the way that we engage people from day one.
0: Yep. That makes sense. How does this relate to people with much longer um, sales cycles? Exactly. Exactly. Sorry.
1: Same way. Same and actually way. the behavioral targeting is amazing for a larger sales cycle, by the way, because there's, there's more trackable behaviors on a larger purchase. Mm-hmm. People do more research. We like to call it a larger mental wake.
0: And people do talk about, you need like, what is it? I'm, I'm completely not making this up, but you need seven pieces of contact with someone before they ever going to think about starting buying that large ticket item. Right. So that's Correct. where it comes into it. Yep. Okay. But you need to be able to track that, that, that across multiple properties, across multiple parts of the customer journey before you could say this person is probably ready to buy. Correct. Okay, cool. So moving on to the next slide, um, you guys have uh, been very busy creating um, much more structure around this, which is I think probably very necessary because it's quite easy for people to just go, okay, I'll do... It's quite easy for people to butcher agile methodologies and just take them into certain areas and think that they're getting it all right. But um, you guys have really formulated uh, a clear path around that for marketing people through your certification. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, essentially what we found is that there about four or five years ago, there were a couple pockets of people talking about Agile and marketing, but it was all just theory. Yep. And so people were saying, mm-hmm. well, theoretically, here's how you would apply this concept of Agile to marketing. And the challenge that we run into when we hear people talk that our marketing departments that have tried to learn agile is the most commonly used agile framework is scrum. And so their marketing team goes to a scrum class where there's all software development examples. None of the examples apply. None of the terminology is translated. It doesn't. So they're trying to not only learn something new, but they're also trying to translate it to their context as they learn something new, which is multiple leaps in one. So Mm. what we've done is actually translated. And this is what, One of the things Alistair Coburn said that I think was really, really um, a a good observation of, he's talking about how people are taking Agile outside of IT and the people that are trying to do it and those that are trying to do it and those that are doing it successfully. And he said, two of the things that we're doing right with Agile and marketing is one, you have to have someone from that other arena. So someone that is that expert in marketing, that someone that is actually lived in that world I have a background in marketing, but Nick lived in that and waded through that way deeper than I have. I went way deeper in agile. So bringing together someone who really knows agile and someone who really knows marketing and bringing that together, we co-created the curriculum, having deep knowledge of both areas. And so we've tr- been able to translate. Also, the second thing is being able to translate all the terminology into that language that reaches yep. that, new, that new area. And so having someone with a marketing swagger and being able to translate it into their terminology and understanding Are two of the big things that there was a a gap and then also based on empirical evidence and actual things that get results so I mean people are talking theoretically here's how ads would apply to marketing but not really thinking about how that actually would apply in real in reality and in the context of a marketer but then we're also constantly testing things and split testing things and one of the things we've done over the last year is actually been working on helping marketing agencies start to apply Agile marketing. So now it's not just, here's our direct clients that have worked with Agile and marketing. And here's some things that we've heard other people do, but it's, no, we're actually like supporting and helping people. We're split testing. We're trying new things that work. We're using like data science. We're using AI for actually getting better data for being able to test. We're running these short cycles and we have people across a variety of different industries that like that's their niche. So we have all these marketing agencies that are now applying agile marketing. We're getting all the feedback from them on what's working, what's not working, what are the core things. So we are constantly learning, inspecting and adapting and now building up agile marketing practitioners. People that Mm -hmm. have not just gone through the course, but have actually applied agile marketing, have case studies, can show the results because that's what it's really all about. And that's one of the things I really love about Agile and marketing because my background, I actually studied marketing. That was my major in college. And then I went down this big project management path and (laughs) then started learning Agile, learning Scrum, became a certified Scrum trainer, been teaching these courses with companies around the world. But to loop back full circle with marketing, what I love about Agile marketing is it's tied to the results. Mm -hmm. Like with Agile and development, maybe some of the large Fortune 100 companies have gotten products to market sooner. Maybe they've made some more sales because of that, but I can't see that. I can't see that result. With marketing, you could see it like instantly. You could see what the results are. The empirical data is there. So Mm -hmm. one of the things Nick and I have been focusing on is actually starting to build up other coaches and trainers to help expand our reach from the stuff that we're learning, that we know works, that we're seeing, the systematic processes. That's what the specialist course is all about, is actually empirical data of what works. And we're constantly yeah. refining that, so yeah.
0: that's pretty exciting. I, I love it because I've uh, I've been in the same situation where I've been teaching Scrum and Agile, and I've had I've had legal people come, I've had creative directors come, I've had print industry people come. They're like screaming out, "How do I do this?" And I, I can't divert too much, and I try and teach them everything about Scrum, but you can already see there's this gap, there's this translation that hasn't happened. They get the I, uh, but we all know that the the basic um, uh, concept concept of early and exactly the concept works early and frequent delivery will create data and will provide, get you in in a more certain place in an uncertain world um, than if you have longer feedback loops. So it's really great that you guys have been able to bring those two worlds together just in marketing. We're already seeing this also in other areas We're we're having other podcasts in agile HR I mean, I don't know if we're we'll going to agile legal at some point, but it's great to see that there's um, really applicable um, content out there for the, for marketing teams. Cause I think it's, 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 as I said before, it's, it's still a part of the whole value stream uh, marketing and sales. And we just need to be able to make sure that we're, we're, we're tightly coupling the production and delivery of value as much as possible.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: And that's been really important to us. So like to, to just kind of, clarify on Maria, Maria's point, I haven't clarified this build on. We have a network of hundreds of agency owners at this point already that have switched over to, to, to agile marketing agencies. And the thing that they're doing, that's different is that they're, they're, they're taking a holistic approach and they're working with the sales team and the marketing. Right. Yeah. And like, that sounded crazy when I was telling these people that were coming in, like, well, I want to be a more agile marketing agency. And I'm like, cool, you have to help with their salespeople too. They're like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, if you want to be agile, you got to take a holistic approach. They're yeah. like, well, you tricked me. And I'm like, I didn't trick you. This will help. And it works. Right. But then more importantly, we, we eat our own dog food. Right. So like every single day at noon, I have a webinar with those people and it's either myself Mm -hmm. or Maria or Steve, our CTO or, or, or one of the other partners here. And we talk to all those agency owners. Right. And it's not Mm -hmm. like we have like a, Oh, we're just going to talk at you. It's a Q and A. I want to know what's going on in different areas of the business. Right. And I want to be able to help you guys respond and change. And then we have a pivot table about what's going on with those people inside their individual agencies. So not only do I know what my salespeople are doing at our main agency, but I have pivot tables on over 200 other agency owners and what's happening in their agencies. And I use that information literally to create new content for agile marketing on a bi-weekly basis. Why is it bi-weekly you ask? Well, there's this thing called a time box. Um, Usually for a sprint, we use a, Two week time box. So every two weeks, we literally have new content coming out on, you know, what's working, what's not, what technologies are, are aiding to this process, what processes with the sales team seem to work best to help bring them into accountability, right? Yep. Getting salespeople to be accountable. You want to talk about nailing jello to a wall or herding cats, man? My <laughs> God. Like I love because I love that's why I love the Agilists because they're like, oh, I'm super accountable and transparent. I'm like, this is such a change for me. I've been in the sales and marketing department for the last 20 years of my life. There are no transparent or accountable people in there. There's a lot of passing the buck and pointing fingers and yelling. Yep. Which by the way, all the (laughs) agile stuff I learned from you guys on conflict resolution and family counseling has really helped me help those people.
0: Yep. Good to know. (laughs) You gave us a, you gave us a lens into a world maybe we wouldn't have seen, but it's, it's, it's actually really, it's actually really empowering to know that, um, yeah, these concepts are necessary in, in the world that we live in and the tools exist, especially that's, that's some, something that I was going to ask before, but I, I don't think we need to get into is that is, can anyone do this? Yeah. The tools exist if you're willing to go out and just pick them up and they're not super expensive as you're pointing out. Um, and the, but the point is the best part is they'll probably show their return on investment rather than spending $2 million on a TV network campaign, which <laughs> you have no idea where that went.
1: None. And we've seen that with, with all kinds of different companies and and we do programmatic media buying like people don't yep. don't realize that that you know maria and i are, have an agency that does hundreds of millions of dollars in media buying a year like we're not basing this stuff on like oh hey you know we're sitting around theoretically talking about how this might work in, in under real life applications it's like no, we're pouring through the data on how actual real life campaigns that are built around our problem and solution based user story marketing are responding off of hundreds of millions of dollars in annual ad spend and then taking that feedback and using it to create better ways of engaging these people. Mm-hmm. No, our, our, we have continuously improved the results of every client that we've touched since we touched them. Understood.
0: Okay. Well, if they're interested, you can uh, you can learn more at agilemarketingacademy.com. You say, this is IC Agile certified um so um certainly will help people uh get the right training inside their organization amongst all the other scrum mastering and product product owner product manager courses etc um and that's pretty much it um thank you for your time maria thank you for your time nick um i've certainly learned a lot and it's quite clear that um Uh, agile is a team sport it's something for the entire organization to be a part of because at the end of the day we all need to be aligned around that delivery and learning of what customers really really want Um, so really it is a continuous improvement journey Um, it's best thing to do is find out where you are right now um, with a free account at comparativegilly.com and then use the tools that Maria and and Nick have put together to help improve you um, shorten those cycles start learning more testing, delivering, reflecting, as all those things we we're talking about, and uh, improving your outcomes in the marketing of your organization.
1: So yeah, can, I, can I ask if we can end this thing the way I like to end everything with a, like a little micro retro, and everybody can give me one thing, because I actually had a takeaway from today. So if everybody wants to share okay. a takeaway and an appreciation, uh, I'd like to share an appreciation with each of you and the audience. Um, but I think that would be a fun way to end this. Would that be okay with you Good. guys? Let, let's yeah. do that. Maria, would you like to go first?
2: Yeah, so, you know, really, Simon, I appreciate you reaching out to us to be able to do this this call here today because Nick and I have been working very diligently to go very deep into understanding how can we help people apply agile in these different ways, right, outside mm-hmm. of IT, applied to marketing, and we're really, really grateful for being able to collaborate with Comparative Agility because yep. I love the tool that we've been able to put together, and really, it's, that's going to help people to say, okay, where do I even start? right? So we have our our training course. We do in-person training. We have live instructor-led training now that a lot of people aren't traveling right now. Um, We've got an online course as well. So basically, um, the comparative agility tool is something where companies can go there, the comparative agility website, they can start to look at their capabilities and compare themselves against all these other companies in the the industry and in their market. And so we really appreciate the time that you've taken to share with us, Um, you know, help us share more about how agile marketing works and helping companies understand how they can use the comparative agility assessment to see where they are and how they line up as a starting point, right? It's all about that continuous.
0: I, I completely agree. And the, if people often starting is the hardest part, yeah. start with your assessment on comparative agility and use the tools at agile marketing and you're already 10 steps ahead of everyone else.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And Nick, yeah. I just want to say, thank you. I actually really appreciate the way Nick, explains a lot of these concepts and nick and i've been training for years together and i actually learned a couple of new ways that he like i love his analogies and the way he talks about some of these core concepts even though we've been training these concepts over the last you know half a decade it's like okay i'm learning new ways i can explain it and i'm always looking at how can i communicate more effectively and so nick i just really appreciated the value you brought today and the way you talked about everything is really masterfully done thank you
1: thank you
0: Great. I think I'll go next. Um, I, one of the real big things for me was that mindset shift of the agile story living on beyond development. I mean, like that's really a light bulb moment for me to say, wait a minute. So, cause it is the the smallest unit of value. If I can take this all the way from birth through to delivery of just, you know, all the way through the, the organization, have that be our, rather than it being an adversarial conversation between this is what I think, this is what you think let's all base it around the value, every single conversation, whether it's with legal, whether it's with sales, whether it's with marketing, if if we can actually get in our organization, the ability to have that user story exist and endure all the way through to the, actually delivering to the customer. I think that's hugely powerful. So thank you for that, Nick.
1: Thank you. And, and then, yeah, that was my, so my big takeaway from this was I didn't realize that you guys consider that the, the smallest value in your, I'm like, you guys realize that, that that user story changed my life as a marketer. And I guess it for me, it was like a, a big realization that you're like, oh, it's our small, it's our littlest, it's our small. And I'm like, for me, I always, I, and I guess because of my perception coming from another world, I've always seen that thing as just like this big glaring, like, this is it. Like, this is the thing. You know, this yeah. is the biggest, most important thing you guys have. And then to realize that part of the reason I think maybe we've been, we've, we've had people who are like, I don't I don't understand is because you know, I am so centric on that thing is so valuable. And I guess you guys see it as such a small value. Realizing that that the thing that we hold the highest value to once once marketing gets their hands on Agile is probably a, one of the biggest realizations I could have taken away from today. Because I didn't realize that you guys didn't see how big of a value you have to us. And um, I guess for me, I've always wondered, like, if I've been trying to bridge that gap because when, 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 when I had that conversation of like, okay, the sales and marketing guys are the jocks and, and we're the the math weeks and the band geeks, like, we don't want to approach you. I was like, okay, well, I want to just remind, like, I had a huge takeaway today. I was like, look, you have the cheat sheet to the, the final exam, right? Yeah. So you want to, if you've ever wondered if it was okay to approach the in your head, quote unquote, cool kids table, I would like to just tell all the agilists right now, you literally have the exam cheat sheet. We will love you if you give it to us. So don't be afraid to to collaborate with us, right? Don't like, More so than ever, I just realized that this is a big deal. We need your help more than we realize we need your help as marketers. The marketing and sales people need your help for this collaboration. And the thing that you hold such a small value in, that ability to create great user stories that convey the value instantly in the fewest words possible, that's a cheat sheet for them. It's going to make them better at their job. And ultimately, guess what? They're performance-based, so they make more money. So they're not gonna give you a swirly or make fun of you if you bring them a user story. They're gonna hug you and love you for it once they figure out what it is. Yep. So for me, that was a huge aha moment. So I was like, oh my God, you guys, you don't realize that you have the cheat sheet. Like that's the cheat sheet. You're all walking around right now with the cheat sheet that sales and marketing is arguing over like, Man, I really hope I got the, the, the you know, I'm, I'm going to get murdered on this exam. If we don't do well on this exam, I'm failing this year. Because just so you know, we get, like, we're performance based, right? Marketers and yeah. salespeople are performance based. So we get paid more when things go well. We also get fired when things don't go well. Mm-hmm. And you have the cheat sheet. And we really like the, the money they give us. So if, if you can give me the exam answers, I'm going to love you for the rest of my life. So. That was, we all, huge. And we
0: all want more collaboration, so that's we, what we're we doing.
1: do. <laughs> so, and, and I appreciate you letting me end this thing with, with Retro and, and Maria. As always, it's always a joy to be brought out for these conversations because, yes. like I said, I feel like sometimes I feel like a weirdly trained little like, like, uh, like Maria's German Shepherd. It's like, look what I found in the woods, it's, it's rough and it's not naturalist, but it, it kind of speaks our language. I'll put a treat on its nose yeah. and make it do tricks. But I, I appreciate you so much for always bringing me into these discussions, and I just want to say to our audience, I appreciate you guys. Like you don't have to take the time to care about what happens in the businesses that you work at, right? Mm -hmm. It's very easy when you work in big corporate to just get kind of lost in the haze of like, hey, I I don't make a difference, I don't matter. But if you took the time to stop and listen to this, it's because you believe that you do have the ability to make an impact. And I want you to know that I personally do appreciate the fact that you're doing that because that's gonna make a difference to all the companies we work with. And that just as one person can make a huge change and impact in the world, one person can make a huge change and impact in the company. And if your interest is really about how do I solve this problem, square this circle and bring this holistic transformation in, and you guys from the Agile community are willing to come in and listen to what Agile marketing is, it means you care enough. And I just want you to know that that means that I haven't wasted the last five years of my life. So thank you. (laughs) And I wanna
0: say thank you to Maria as well. It's uh, everything you've said today has been really helpful to me. And um, I think everything you guys have put together is, is really helpful to the world. So thank you.
2: Awesome. Have a great thank day, you.
0: guys. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Right, Bye. Fine. Thanks, guys.